Hi, I'm John Fegverisi, and I'm currently feeling a bit anxious about my running life. Two big races coming up. <laughs> Wait, real quick, can we spill what those races are? Western States and Hard Rock. Okay, yeah, gigantic race. Well, no, so, no, not gigantic. You're gonna be <laughs> there, uh, and I'm doing them both, which is like the double. Whoa. Which is, um, I think there's only three of us that are doing both. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't planned. Is it, it two was, weeks or how many weeks in between? It's, um, it's like eighteen days, <laughs> so it's like oh. less than three weeks. Oh, sounds yeah. yeah. It's Super. pretty brutal. Uh, <laughs> Is there any way for us to like follow? Is is there live tracking? Can we? Oh yeah, follow along? yeah, yeah. I mean, Western States is first, and that's coming up in a little over a month. And uh, you know that my plan for that is I just want to be conservative and, and do well and finish because the Hard Rock is the one that I really want to you know really want to enjoy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Running Brunch Podcast. I'm Peter Cunningham here today. For the first time ever, we have a guest co-host, and still, just like always, I'm for sure the the second-rate host, just like with Ben. I'm the backup. I'm the bench host. I'm the JV host. Uh, here with Lauren Gregory. Uh, Lauren, thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry for all you Ben fans out there. <laughs> uh, Lauren, uh, thanks for coming. In. I feel like I invited you like kind of way late in the game too, like two <laughs> days ago, and and you just happened I to be swear, free. I have a very busy, busy life, vibrant, lots, <laughs> lots going on. <laughs> I can't just sign up for things the day after the day before. Yeah, but no, I'm stoked to be here. Yeah, you know, well done. not that you're just filling my day with with excitement but yeah yeah yeah, kind of yeah. <laughs> no thanks uh what a what a blast and i feel like uh, especially with our guests today and we'll we'll talk about them here in a second uh i feel like you kind of fit perfect with with who they are and and their realm of running with you kind of dipping your toes or really maybe more so in the deep end of of into the, the trail running world are you do you feel like you're in the deep end or dipping your toes oh in? i'm dipping. I, dipping I know very little okay. yeah no i feel like i'm whatever or he ultra runner big trail guy i am the very light of that now but aspiring to do that so it was yeah. it was really cool to to just see our guest progression through through ultra running and yeah. just running in general it's yeah. really sweet yeah what's funny is when we record these intros uh i always forget that by this point not only have people seen the name of our guest yeah. on, on spotify <laughs> but, like also, but, but also uh also we start the very first thing people hear in the podcast is the individual saying hi my name is and then giving us their name so you've already heard of it our guest today is john figverisi we'll tell you more about him here in a second but he is a a former finisher of the barkley marathons and uh we'll talk about him here in a second but before we do that uh lauren let's do this people uh have gotten to hear you and your episode on our podcast before um and so kind of i maybe just since then uh, catch our listeners up to where you are in your running world and uh, and kind of what's on the horizon because I feel like when you came on you would you had just come off of indoor track and and I don't think it was public news yet at the time that you you had an injury and now uh, I don't know who broke the news I, I feel like for me it was stride report yeah they usually they usually do that do they find out how does that work do you, do you like did uh did an agent or a coach no, or no. do you yeah. 
Or do I mean, people snake around and see, ooh, by the way, Lauren Gregor's injured? I don't try to be sneaky, really. Like, I honestly, when I was on the podcast, it was just funny because I was like, to me, it doesn't matter if people know. But I guess if I'm trying to get a contract, it, it was, you know, trying to be a little bit more careful with things. But on the positive, I was able to walk up the stairs to the studio <laughs> and not crutch up the stairs. So we're taking that as a win. But no, I think the the news was broken. I was actually not in town and I got an email from a track fan about this article. He's been, well, he does photography, like okay. volunteer photography for the team. And okay, he just cool. comes to a lot of the meets. But gotcha. he actually recently made Coach Harder and I a birdhouse. So I, I got a shout out Gary for that. Yeah, that's cool. He made a birdhouse for both of y'all. Yeah. Do you are, do you bird watch? Are you into no, birds? No, but I like the birdhouse. It's okay. pretty sweet. Yeah. Cool. Have you filled it with bird feed yet? Not yet. I okay. still like need to figure out the whole planning out of where I'm putting this thing. But yeah, yeah it was a sweet gift, and I'm stoked on it. Okay, so, sweet. Yeah. My parents are way into bird watching. <laughs> uh, like they they have multiple <laughs> bird feeders in their backyard, and they sit there together and just. Watch That's birds. Awesome. They they know the names of birds. They know them by their call. Uh, like you can hear a, a bird and be like, oh, that's a cardinal. Oh, that's a, a tufted titmouse. Oh, that's a, a rose-breasted grosbeak. Um, no, I don't also know the names of birds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, call, call uh, on your parents. Yeah, now. exactly. Uh, they've rubbed off on me for sure. I will say that uh, I came super close to being a birder or bird watching when I got hurt and I would just scoot around with my dog. Yeah. Cause then I'm like, man, I got nothing else to do today. I might as well just sit on this scooter and listen to birds. And yeah. then I was like, shoot, I might find some binoculars somewhere yep. mess around. But no, that didn't actually happen, but it, it was a slippery slope for sure. There was like a week there. Where I was like, dang, I could actually get into this. Uh, okay. So coming off of injury or at least yeah. out of the boot, uh, yeah. w- what do you want to tell us about that or kind of just what's on the horizon for your running world? And then, and then yeah. we'll, we'll hop off of you rather than doing a, a okay. second episode with you. Oh yeah. You know, that's all I came here. Yeah. For. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, I guess I ended indoors with a navicular fracture on. Yeah. And so I had to get surgery for that. And it's just been a long, that just takes a while to recover from. And let heal. So we're just out the boot getting back into things, hanging out in Fayetteville, enjoying my time. Yeah, not, you know, not everything is all positives. There's been some ups and downs for sure. But yeah, kind of just moving on after this. Hope to keep running. Looks like probably a mix of trail and track, which I'm super stoked on. So I have something to set my sights on and just been cross training my buns off cool. in a good way, not in a depressing way. So yeah, trying to balance between injury, depression and like just hanging out as a normal human. So. Yeah. I was, I was going to ask you to like, to fill in the second half of that, our intro phrase, like currently I feel blank. Currently I feel stagnant yeah. in my running life. It's like, I see, you know, you're up on your feet again. You're like, woohoo, but it's still never a big real woohoo until you're actually running yeah. again, pain free. Yeah. So yeah. still working towards that. Uh, doesn't, yeah, just getting there. doesn't seem like I'm not the most patient human, so it doesn't seem like it's happening fast enough, but I guess that's probably just my impatience all around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, at a different level because uh, one, my uh, I, I'm not going to college to race uh, from a university currently, but I, I enjoy it enough. It's part of my coaching at JBU. So like my desire to be healthy and fit and be able to run is, is pretty high. 
uh, and I'm I didn't have a navicular fracture. Yeah, navicular. Navicular. Yeah. So stupid. Threw an extra R in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I just had a high ankle sprain. I feel like Ben and I are trying to to one up the other person by just having a worse <laughs> ankle sprain. Uh, <laughs> this is really nasty. Uh, and so I, I'm like two days into kind of back into running. I ran just a couple of days in a row and it's just, it, uh, there's one excitement around just getting to run again. And two, also like this, uh, discouragement. I don't, I don't know that I've felt it to this extent before of, I'm so aware of how far away from where I have been than I want to be. Like my mm-hmm. fitness is so far from it. I can like feel yes. my body physically being unfit <laughs> and 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 it feels like a an insurmountable task, and so I have to remind myself something that I feel like I, I tell a lot of people: it's just like just just run today, and rather than expecting myself to be as fit as I'm going to be, even just a week from now, or, mm-hmm. or or two weeks from now, a month from now, rather than wishing or that like some magic potion would be thrown on me, and I right. today would would arrive again. Yeah, because you get your hopes set on the way you want it to look and very rarely does the comeback actually look like that <laughs> and also it's it's funny it's like you're your own worst critic or whatever yeah. it's anyone talking to you not in a like you're lucky i know what you're talking about because it sounds crazy otherwise yeah. you're like i'm just not fit i'm running but i'm not where i want to be i'm not doesn't feel the same and they'd be like what the hell are you talking yeah. about but i get what you mean yeah you're like it just Ah, I just, you know what it feels like to be enjoying it and to be fit again. And and just, there's no real shortcuts. Mm -hmm. Like not, no amount of cross training can, can get you to that point right away. But I get what you mean. And I'm not looking forward to that, but I know (laughs) it's what it's got to (laughs) be. Yep. But like you said, like, I feel like you can do enough amount of cross training that at least the return is a little bit easier than it would have been. Yeah. It seems like it just shortens it. Yeah. It doesn't get rid of that initial two week part where you're just like what am i doing like how did this just disappear from my aerobic capacity in two seconds yep. in two weeks you know you're running and you finally feel good again and you're like oh, okay i was being a little dramatic i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it wasn't over my career isn't over <laughs> you have like one breaking point and then the next run's like totally fine yeah yep facts well, let's do this, Lauren. Uh, let's let's kind of give a little preview of John Figverisi and a little overview of the Barkley Marathons. Uh, so Barkley Marathons, uh, I was introduced to it uh, through the documentary. I believe I saw it for the first time about seven years ago. Uh, as we found out tonight in our conversation with John, uh, he it was a decade ago that he raced in it. Um, when did you first see this documentary? I probably saw it about the same time. Okay. I think when it first came out and everyone was, you know, kind of passing it around. I realize not everyone knows about it. Yeah. So maybe just my own weird group of people were passing it around. But I thoroughly enjoyed just that whole, like, glimpse into such a sweet and mind-numbing and crazy event. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, One, if you haven't seen it before, you should go check it out. We're going to give you a little bit of a, a, a preview of what you, you are going to see. And it's 10 years later. We're going to spoil it for you and, and, and John's experience in it. But uh, just between the two of us, let's kind of back and forth of just things of it. So one, it is a, an ultra endurance race in the forest, the woods of Tennessee. And it's a five loop race. Um, 
each of them consisting of, as the race director says, 20 miles, but everyone that's actually run it swears that it's about 26 miles <laughs> for each loop, which is just hilarious that it's so ambiguous. So many things about the race is ambiguous. Even, even the map of getting from yeah. point A uh, to point B is, is very fluid. Yes. Yeah, it's like half running, hiking, orienteering, trying to stay sane from just just from what we've viewed in the documentary and, yeah. and talking to him just about how you mentally tackle a ultras but b an event like this which is just seems like ultras on steroids a little yeah. there's like bramble or briar patches like really like inch long thorns yeah. in this briar patch and and those that didn't come prepared their legs are just absolutely destroyed by these thorns uh by the end of loop one <laughs> it's hilarious that uh, three loops. So to complete the race, to be considered a finisher of the Barkley, you have to run all five loops in under 60 hours. Um, and if you complete three loops, they call it a fun run, which is just kind of like hilariously demeaning. It's like, oh, good job. You finished three marathons through the <laughs> grueling woods of Tennessee. Good job. You finished a fun run, which like to me, a fun run in Fayetteville is like going for a five mile run with yeah. friends at a recovery pace. And like, it's not at all. No. no, I feel like the whole thing is set up to be an ultra with mind games. Uh-huh. Well, like I said, I, I am going to spoil it just so you know uh, who, who this guy is and where he is in, in the, uh, the documentary. Uh, he, he's one of three people that finish it uh, in the year that they, the documentary happened to be there. Um, and, and like just barely makes it under the, the time cutoff, uh, somewhere in the 59 hour range. Uh, and you, I feel like he's the, he is the one you kind of become most endeared to throughout the documentary. Uh, cause he seems like of the three that finish, uh, the biggest dark horse and he's just got a really cool mindset around the, the sport of running and, and why he loves it and continues to run to this day. So, uh, and, and what a blast getting to, to get to interview him with, with you, Lauren. So, uh, anything else from you? No. Yeah. You've said it all. Yeah. It was a really sweet conversation. So thanks for letting me come on and meet him too. Yeah. What a blast. So we're going to, we're going to go that way now. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? All right. Yeah. Semester's yeah. almost over, so I'm doing better. <laughs> sweet. Score. John, I'm Peter. This is Lauren right here. Hi John. Nice to meet you. Likewise. Great to meet you, man. I'm liking the the Aspens painting in your background. Uh, yeah, love it, man. Love it, man. Well, well, John, just real quick, just kind of as we're hanging here at the beginning of things, before we just kind of dive into whatnot, uh, just so you know a little bit about us, so we're not just a couple randars that you're you're talking with. Um, <laughs> Peter Cunningham. I'm originally from Branson, Missouri. Uh, got to run cross country and track in college in Colorado, and um, nice. I coach cross country and track at a NAIA school here in Northwest Arkansas called John Brown University. And uh, I've just like this much dipped my toes into the trail running world. Um, I, I got to, uh, I got to run a 50 K trail race about three or four years ago and uh, it was totally <laughs> worth it. And uh, yeah. it's, uh, it, it's not that far out uh, <laughs> of an idea to try it again some of these days. So. Yes. Come <laughs> over to the dark side. Come on. And then I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Lauren kind of tell you about herself and then, and then we'll just kind of hop into hanging with you for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my name is Lauren Gregory. Um, I run track and cross country here at the U of A 
And I originally grew up in Fort Collins, but I've been here, Fort Collins, Colorado, but I've been here for like six years because COVID and injury and everything. Um, But I'm done with eligibility finally now. And moving on to like the Subultra Trail world, dipped my toe in that a little bit in the the fall and went to like Worlds on the Subultra team um, in Thailand this past November. So I know a little bit about trail, but not... um, yeah, yeah, nothing past uh, marathon distance, <laughs> so we're still like keeping it light over here. But yeah, but mostly track background. But I love trails. That's where I like ultimately want to end up. But just moving there I slowly. So yeah, I love it. Well, see, so what are, what are we interrupting on a normal Tuesday night for you? Uh, this week's a little bit weird because it's the last week of the semester. So I'm mostly just grading. <laughs> so you're, it's a nice break from from grading papers and and uh, yeah, just cleaning up at the end of the semester. So I love it. I love it. And so what exactly is your role at, at NAU? I know you do some stuff on the research side of things, I, I believe, but what, what uh, what's your role at NAU? Yeah, so it's it's a pretty typical faculty role. Um a little bit, slightly a little bit split differently than a, I'd say a standard faculty member. So I do probably about 20% research. Um, I'm still working in the Antarctic realm. So I work on ice cores and glaciology and that sort of stuff, but a lot of sort of climate science uh, implications. So I've, I'm kind of like merging those uh, Venn diagrams a little bit. Um, and then I have another portion of my time that I dedicate to, we have a master's program out here that's like a professional master's program. So it's basically preparing people to work in sort of the climate solutions. So people that work on mitigation efforts, renewable energy, that kind of stuff. And so that's a lot of my students are in that program. And ha- have all your years in that world been at NAU? I mean, like when I came across you in the, the Barkley Marathons documentary, I I got to hear just in in short uh, in little side interviews of yours talking about doing stuff in Antarctica was was that uh, you know intersected with NAU at the same time? Uh, no. So right out of grad school, I worked for about four years at a federal lab um, up in Vermont, like on the Vermont New Hampshire border, um, and they specialize in cold research, so cold regions research. So. I just, I spent a lot of time working in cold places up there, but I didn't get to teach. And so I, I missed working with students. And then we just, um, my partner and I, we, we happened to both get uh, offers out here and and we just made it work. And so it's nice. We're finally in the same place. <laughs> so <laughs> how long ago was that? Um, I was up in Vermont from 2015 to 2019. Okay, so, right on. So fairly new to Flagstaff a little bit. Yeah, this is that I just just hit my four year anniversary here. So yeah. Nice. Amazing. How how has your experience in the running world uh been benefited from being in Flagstaff? It has its pros and cons. Um I, I love being at altitude. Uh I love that we have mountains here. Like I, you know, I mean, obviously there were some mountains in, in New England, but not like these mountains. Right. Um but I also really don't like how dry it is. Uh, I'm I'm a East Coast humid person. Like I like yeah. humidity. I like green, lush forest, and yeah. everything out here is very desert-like and dry. Um, so thankfully, we're up high. If if we had gotten jobs in Phoenix, I probably would have <laughs> lost my mind because I just could not live there at all. No, miserable. <laughs> so, thanks. Thanks. Oh, I love it. 
Well, let's let's do this, John. Before we get any further, uh, this is the Running Brunch podcast, and and that uh, it really is just born out of uh, my my typical co-host. So Lauren's a guest co-host tonight, and her her involvement in the trail world, and just she's she's a fun new friend of ours and a previous guest. And we were like, she'd be a great guest co-host. Uh, but my <laughs> my know. typical co-host and I, Ben, we have this debate as to what actually the definition of brunch is. <laughs> I and, saw uh, that. And then and then we and then we kind of have a we've. Uh, We've found that that brunch is a uh, can be a typical post long run uh, activity, and I feel like a lot yeah. of runners engage with that as well. So it almost fits. And so, uh, so I guess before we get any further, the obligatory question of how do you define brunch? <laughs> right. I, I think it's it's more of a state of mind than a meal. Ooh. I really do. I do. <laughs> I think uh, philosophical. Uh, you know, I I think uh, you know I I don't have a lot of um. I would say like running partners out here yet. Uh, so I do a lot of my long runs alone, but I, I totally get, you know, like the only time I ever really crave like that uh, sort of slow, enjoyable meal is, is like that Saturday mid morning after a long run or maybe Sundays after sleeping in or something. So I think it's, it's about who you're with and, and just sort of the state of mind as opposed to the meal. But usually it's always a little bit of a bigger meal as well, as opposed to just like cereal or something. Sure, so. sure. <laughs> that would be so lame. Cereal with brunch does not. No, no, no. no. Oatmeal kind of doesn't even count, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have this place in town called the Toasted Owl. That's like perfect brunch place. Yeah, hey, that's your suggestion next time we make it up to Flagstaff. Yeah, the Toasted Owl. Yeah, not tourist home. I feel like you're the first person I've heard. Not yeah, you know, tourist homes all right. I like Toasted Owl better. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair it's enough. Sponsored by Toasted Owl, all right? <laughs> That's funny. You know about the tourist home though. I have spent some time in flag. Yeah. Okay. My dad, my dad actually just moved to Phoenix. So we've been spending more time in Flagstaff more than Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, well, thanks man. That, that's awesome. Uh, and, and then also before we dive into just kind of, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about Barkley marathons. We also know that you, you have a life outside of that documentary. So we want to hear, about your running life uh, before Barclays, post Barclays, what life looks like in the running world now and kind of your take on things. But but before we get there, kind of just what is fun for, for John and I might butcher, but fake Pharisee? That's it. You got it. That's yeah. Oh, okay. I feel good about that. <laughs> yes. What's just, what's, what's fun uh, outside of running world, outside of uh, professor world um, for John fake Pharisee? Yeah, I guess it kind of depends on uh, on the time of year and sort of where I'm at in my life. I've always, I would say, I've always had a pull to the to the trails, like you, Lauren. Yeah. I, I always, uh, I, I mean, I my my trail running was sort of born out of my through hiking. So like that's I've just had a long love of trails ever since I was a kid. So I spent a lot of time on the trails. Um, but like more recently, you know, I bought like a, a dual sport motorcycle. So I spent a lot of time like doing camping trips and like just playing in the woods on that. And so it kind of just depends on where I'm at. But mm -hmm. uh, I guess just a theme of exploration. I'm always trying to get out and do stuff um, in the woods or just see new places. And yeah, or play with my dog. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <All the> other... <laughs> yeah, I know so. a lot of trail runners that have uh, branched into that like motorsport exploration a little bit that's yeah, pretty fun. fun yeah you can just go a little further that's sweet yeah. and a lot of good uh like all-wheel stuff out out there in the national forest i know 
Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I, I go up to Durango and <laughs> in, in the San Juans quite a bit, um, Silverton, uh, yeah. and play around in like, you know, the mountains up there and hike 14ers and do all that stuff on the motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So I don't think so I realized cool. that flag is close enough to Durango and that whole Yeah, world. it's only five hours. It's nice. Okay. okay. I, I spent several summers, maybe six summers of my life, uh, either at camp or at a camp up there or on staff at a camp just outside of Durango in, in Bayfield at Lake Viacito. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of time there, a lot of time uh, in, uh, oh gosh, what's the river they're called? The Animus. Mm-hmm. The Animus River, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool lot, river. Lots of time there. Uh, yeah, fun fun years. My, my all-time, I mean, when I picture like a, a place in nature that if I need to like kind of just close my eyes and almost like have a time of meditation, if I'm picturing a place in nature, it is outside of Silverton at uh, Ice Lake Basin. Um, that's that's my spot. Just the the blue lake mm, there yeah. at the top of this hike is is ridiculously beautiful. Yeah, uh, that's, oh, that's yeah. my safe space. There's just a ton out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's almost like why you didn't get out really because there's so much to do in that concentrated little mountain range. Yeah, but Flag has that same that same thing. I think maybe less so because it kind of a little just bit. Yeah, falls yeah, off. We- yeah, you kind of just have that. We have our sort of one big mountain, like, uh, so yeah, <laughs> all the all, all the good stuff kind of happens around the San Francisco peaks here. Yeah, yeah, nice. I mean, I mean, well, we would have already kind of given a uh, an overview of kind of who you are, who who we already know you to be as a runner, but give give our listeners that that don't know you, and uh, just for us as well, like, what was your introduction to the running world? And, uh, mm-hmm. how, how did you kickstart being a, a, an endurance runner? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I ran some cross country in school. That's, I guess how, how it all started. Um, but by the time I got to like my, my senior year, I was, I was concentrating on like AP classes and stuff. So I stopped, I kind of stopped running and then I didn't run for a really long time. I didn't run all through college. Um, and I sort of picked it back up again in my late twenties I ran a, a couple of road marathons, just thinking it would be a fun challenge. Yeah. Um, and then I hiked the the Appalachian Trail, and a friend of mine was like, "You know, you like running and you like trails. You know, you can do those together." <laughs> and uh, and so I I kind of just started. Um, I started. Uh, I I just like I'm gonna sign up for a 50 mile race because I just want to like play in the woods for an entire day. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was that was that was it. I got hooked after that, and um. You know, it's, it's a nice, I like to keep it mixed. I know there's a lot of people that only want to do long distance trail ultras. And there's a lot of people that just want to do road marathons. And and I, I kind of just like to do a little bit of everything um, and keep it interesting and fun. So I still run a 10 K every once in a while. I still Amazing. run a road marathon and I still, uh, you know, and then I'll sign up for a 300 mile run across Tennessee or something, you know, <laughs> just like a multi-day stage race just for the heck of it. Um <laughs> I don't know. So that's, I just, it, it's just always something different. And, um, I will say that I've kind of always had a, a, an interest in more of the sort of low key grassrooty type events. Um, the few times that I've run really big events, it's kind of not really been my thing. Like, um, for example, I ran Leadville the first couple of years, um, when I started running and it was really small and now it's really corporate and big yeah. and kind of bloated and, and it's just, it doesn't have the same feel. Um, now I did run Boston one year and that was really cool just cause I was living <laughs> in that area. Um, even though it's massive. Um, but otherwise I, I kind of like to do the sort of, sort of smaller 
community trail events and just kind of things around here. And so I run a lot of like air Viper races and stuff like that just because they're yeah. local. Yeah. I guess, do you feel like running for you and racing is, do you have that like competitive drive while you're racing or is it more of the mix of just wanting to be out and this being yeah. a community to go do that with? I, I definitely have a little of it in there. Um, I think now that I'm getting older, it's, it's like a little harder um, to be as competitive just cause I'm not quite as fast as I used to be, but I definitely, um, can remember certain races where, you know, I'm, I see that person in front of me and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to pick that person off, you know, or I'm going to, I'm going to speed up or the few times that I've won a race and you know, you're, you're leading with like eight miles to go and you're like, Oh, I've got to win this thing. And you keep looking back and you start picking up the pace. And yeah, I definitely have a little of that. Um, uh, and it's fun. It's exhilarating, but I would say that's not my primary motivation for sure. So, yeah. Cause I always wonder about people that just enjoy any style race, you know, and I think the trail world does select for, especially the ultra, just, this is just yeah. speculation, select for that type of runner that primarily just wants to be out there. And on top of that, the competition is kind of fun too, but being able to just transition from like, Oh, a 10 K is fun for it satisfies that to like a 400 or 300 mile race is fun in its yeah. own way. But you know, I mean, the competition environment is much different in both of those arenas, but some people really only thrive or really enjoy one of those environments. So yeah, I don't know. Sure. It's kind of been interesting to meet more like long distance trail people and just trying to hear like what their mindset is and how they approach the sport. Yeah. And I think obviously to be actually like really competitive in, in a certain event, you have to focus your training on like that event. So there's been a few times when I've focused all my attention on one distance to try and do well in that distance. But, um, like I said, now I kind of just, uh, play around. And if I know I got to do a hundred miler, yeah, I'll run a few 50 Ks beforehand and things like that. And, um, you know, training races, (laughs) (laughs) the build. I guess we could transition into mindset stuff now because I don't know. I think this is probably a commonly asked thing for you long distance people, but I, yeah, I think this is just, especially with Barkley because that just seems like pain cave, but self-inflicted even worse than it already (laughs) is it's like the external and internal pain cave if that's a thing so what what do you do in those moments and and I don't know you don't have to use Barkley as an example but any other time when you've just been just down and out if you've had multiple or zero if that's (laughs) if that's possible how do you push through that it's funny you you bring this up because I found an old post that I put on um, line. Someone was asking every now and then I get an email from someone asking me like, "Hey, how do I apply to Barkley?" And I wrote them this message that was like, "Just so you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is this is what you can expect." And it's the most brutal. I can't believe I wrote it. It's awful. It's like every second you're out there is pure misery or something like that. (laughs) Just so you know, it's not glamorous. It's not glorious. There's no fame. Like all these like things like, Oh, it's going to be so wonderful out in the woods. Like, no, none of that. It's nothing. It's just (laughs) pain and misery. Uh, I feel like that was expressed though. (laughs) And if you still want to do it. Before you get, before you get to like briar patch and before you get to Colt and like, at what point did that like set in the, the the misery of it? 
uh, pretty, pretty soon. On. I mean, I think even just in the training, in the training for my first Barkley, I was like, oh, this is going to be so awful. I'm like reading all the race reports and stuff. So like for Barkley, it's a little different, um, to, as far as like, you're never really out of that, like bad place. So you kind of just, um, you know, I set rules for myself. A lot of people think of Barkley as like loops, like, oh, I got to get through loop one or loop two, and then maybe I'll get a fun run. Like I just turned that switch off and I said, no, there's no loops. It's a 60 hour event period. Like that's it. Just 60 hours. Uh, that happens to have a stop every 25 miles or whatever. Um, and so things like that. And, and like, just, you know, I'd play, I'd bargain with myself, like, oh, this climb is 1600 feet. It's terrible. But on the, on the other side, I can stop and fill up at a Creek and take a five minute break or something. And so, I mean, it's just, there's so, it's so hard at, at Barkley cause there, it's just, um, if you start telling yourself like, oh, I'm almost back at the end of the loop and I can rest. Well, as soon as you sit down, it is like an enormous temptation to to quit. And so you got to come in and immediately say, don't sit down. And it's just like, oh, all I want to do is sit down. <laughs> so it's really hard. Um, but I think like in a standard ultra, you know, I've done enough of them now where you just know you're going to have that point where you you feel so bad that you're just like, why am I doing this? Um uh, I'm not having fun, you know, something hurts, uh, or maybe I I'm dehydrated or whatever, but it's, it's weird. Cause it, as you just start like thinking about stuff in your brain, like all of a sudden, 20 minutes later, it'll be 20 minutes later. And you'll be like, Oh, I feel fine now. It is just so weird how it just goes in cycles. And nine times out of 10 for me, it's, uh, cause I'm not eating enough. So I just like pound a bunch of gels or food or something. And then like, wow, 20 <laughs> minutes later, I feel so much better. <laughs> so, <laughs> your uh, brain's just, like going to dark place. Yeah. Really bad bonk. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I do think about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, the typical stuff, you, you know, I, I think about conversations I've had or stories or just places that make me happy. Or, um, I also think, um, I'm a big numbers person. Like I'm a kind of math oriented person. So when I get into a place where I need to kill some time, I'll start like thinking about like, pace and numbers and and how many miles have I gone or how many did this, you know, what pace do I need to maintain for the next like three quarters of a mile to, you know, I just play weird games like that and it just passes the time. Um, but I also like to talk to people, you know, I try to run with someone for a while or, uh, you know, just do what I can to try and get through that bonk and then usually come out the other side. Okay. Yeah. Are there any, any people that uh, you've run with for a long enough period of time in any of the races you've ever done that you kind of have a friendship that you've even kept in touch with over the years after those races? A couple. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I do a run every year um, with actually some of the Barkley guys. Every year I fly to Virginia in November and uh, I run this race called uh, the Mountain Masochist. <laughs> it's a 50-mile <laughs> David Horton puts it on, uh, or he used to put it on. And, and so me and like four other Barkley guys, we all run that together and it's just become a tradition. Um, and you know, I obviously I've shared some miles with them on the actual course too, but there's a few folks I can think of over the years that I've run enough events with that, um, that, yeah, we're just, we're friends now, but not too many. I usually just kind of run with whoever happens to be around me at, at the time, you know, amazing. Have you ever met someone else that does the numbers thing? Like, do you think that there's different types oh, of yeah. people, like some oh, that yeah. shut it out and then others that <laughs> want to lock in on a number or like on a pace or 
Trying oh to yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a very, it's a very like OCD group of people. I think, I mean, there's, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of people that are, that are very like numbers focused. Uh, I try not to get too much wrapped up in that. Cause um, that's how I was when I hiked the Appalachian trail. And I, I was so focused on the numbers and like my itinerary and stuff that I got like two thirds of the way through the trail before I really started enjoying it. And then I just like threw away my, my mileage sheet and said, I just need to like start looking around. This is, this yeah. is bad. So then when I hiked the Pacific Crest trail, I didn't have any agenda. I was like, I'm just going to wing it and see how it goes. And, and it was so much more fun. So hmm. um, I try not to get too wrapped up in the numbers, but uh, there's a person that I run with sometimes here in Flagstaff and, sh and she's like a, super obsessive compulsive with the numbers and so it's really funny i'm just like i remember when i was like that <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you can fall down that rabbit hole real uh, quick right? yeah i can select for go back into OCD. old habits <laughs> yeah <laughs> i uh, i i remember multiple times that I, i've been kind of uh i've been encouraged by your words at least from from the documentary you just kind of said them there just like the to to, to look up and actually enjoy the trail, the, the adventure, the, the view that you have there. And, and I feel like there's been multiple runs. Sometimes I have to make sure I keep looking down because there's rocks that I might trip over or whatever. Uh, but, yes. Uh, but I, I feel like there's been multiple times that I've found myself um, in the last seven years when I was introduced to it, that, that I've been like really encouraged or just blessed by that, that, uh, that challenge to make sure you're actually enjoying the run. And even, and even as I'm, coming out of an ankle injury right now and also just kind of being sick. And so I feel unfit and then I feel this pressure to, to get fit again. And then even just like a four mile run yesterday isn't as fun and enjoyable as I want running to be. Mm -hmm. And to just like, yeah, yesterday was even a, a rainy day and yet it was still absolutely beautiful mm -hmm. in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And, but I would miss it if I was one physically looking down but also just like not looking up and enjoying the run around me. So if nothing else, just thanks for, thanks for encouraging me over the years with, with, with that bit of, I don't know, wisdom. Yeah. I think trails has helped me a lot with that. Cause it's so easy in the track world to get ingrained in your splits and in your pace and you run the yep. same run two times in a row and it's not big ones, 10 seconds slower. And you all of a sudden think you're unfit or mm -hmm. something stupid like that. It just makes no sense really. But then you're on the trails and none of that actually applies, really. And it does, like, force you to actually look up because you're there because it's beautiful. You're not you, – no one's forcing you to be there. <laughs> no. Yeah, I don't know. It's a different It's a different look on the same sport. They're not so different, trail and everything else. But I don't know. It, it does, I think, force you more to look outside of just your watch or – I don't know. I know a lot of trail runners that just don't even run with a watch. If it doesn't, yeah. sometimes it doesn't even link in the trails. <laughs> You're just and there, like, and like making stuff up. <laughs> there is beauty everywhere. I mean, like I've done, I've certainly done like 12 hour track events where you run, you know, 12 hours on a track and see how many miles you can go. And there's not a whole lot of aesthetic beauty, like on a track no. for 12 hours, but you find it in the people, you know, you're running because you're on such a small course, you're basically with the same people all day. And so you, you know, you, you, you find that joy and just in like being with that family for the whole day and talking with the people and seeing the same people at the aid and, you know, just, it's just different, you know, but it's still fun and and yeah, track track events, you do spend more time focusing on the numbers and things like that. But <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, 
yeah, I guess just... what's a what's your sweet spot like just mentally to you where do you like what type of race do you prefer yeah um I think I think 50 to 100 miles is my favorite distance um like for some reason when I do 50 k's uh it's just a really awkward distance for me because I always think in my mind like oh it's 50 k it's short like it's it's barely an ultra I can run fast and then I always run too fast and then I get to the marathon point. I'm like, Oh, there's still six miles left. <laughs> um, and then, and then if it's a really short race, you know, I really try to run it way too fast. Um, so I don't know. I just, I like being out for, you know, eight to 10 hours at least. And it's just, I think like 50 is a good distance. Um, but hundred is kind of my favorite, I think just cause you get to go through the night and I really like running in the middle of the night, like two in the morning headlamp, you know, stars. It's just, it's awesome. So I think, yeah, probably hundred. I know, I know everybody's doing 200 milers now and it's like, that's the new fad, but I like, I like a hundred. I like such a fad for people. (laughs) I mean, we just had the Coca Dona here in town. It was a 250 mile event and everyone was crazy. So um, yeah, that's awesome. I feel like uh, even just as I'm hearing you say things right now, that it, it goes in opposition to what I think a lot of people just assume of someone that runs. 50 100 300 miles that oh you must just have like a screw loose but it seems like you have just a legitimate enjoyment of that yeah i get to enjoy the stars at at, at 2 a.m and that's like really sweet and life-giving uh and so like i don't don't know i feel like i'm learning about you now that it's it's not that john has a screw loose or he's just kind of this insane (laughs) well like i I might have a screw loose (laughs) it sounds like would you say that just your enjoyment of the experience is what what keeps you going back as opposed to yeah i like pounding my body into submission and the pain <laughs> feels good yeah. and i don't know no, it's, it's definitely about the yeah the experience and the the aesthetics and just yeah just like i said in the documentary just uh kind of being in the world and, and yeah. seeing new places and all that good stuff, all that cliche stuff, but it's all true. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like we're kind of dancing around the answer to the question anyways, but like my desire in these podcasts is that, that anyone along the spectrum of running someone who's doesn't run at all. And someone who is yeah. also running the same distances that you are would get to take something away from it. So I guess speaking to the individual that, that isn't into endurance running yet, what would be like a reason why you would say, oh, you maybe aren't missing out, but like, this is a reason why it's a, a sweet thing to add to your life because you've taken this away from uh, this part of your life. You've learned this yeah. life lesson or whatever it is. I think, um, especially in like the long distance trail community, uh, what I love is it's just so accessible. Um you know, yes, you can run a road marathon, uh, in seven hours, you know, most courses stay open for a really long time, but like in the trail community, uh, you know, you can run a 50 K and finish in 15 hours and it's still awesome. You're still out there and they're not going to shut the course down. Um, you know, as you don't have to be an elite runner is what I'm trying to say. And I, I love that everyone's finish is celebrated, um, And so, you know, when I first started running my first 50 miler, uh, I barely made the cutoff. I mean, as a 12 hour race, I think I came in an 1120 or something. 
And I was in like the very end of the race, but I loved it. I had a blast and people were cheering for me at the finish, you know? So I just think uh, it's, it's a, it's a way to be a part of something that it, it doesn't feel as competitive. I mean, I've done a lot of road marathons and it's definitely a different feel. You go into that gym in the morning and everybody's like looking at what shoes you're wearing and you're like looking <laughs> yeah. at your gear. And it's like really kind of a, a lot more aggressive and it, it's fun. It's competitive. I, I certainly enjoy them still, but, um, I just think it's a lot more, um, sort of chill and, and accessible to anyone, regardless of your fitness level. Uh, especially like timed events, because those are really nice. You could do a, a timed event and then you, you can stop anytime you want and you still get a finish, yeah. you know, it's just kind of yeah. nice. Um, but also just cause you get to see all these amazing places. Um, and, uh, you know, we're so, we're always so wrapped up in our like cubicles and, and our jobs and it's just nice to get out and, and, uh, see the world, I guess. So that's sweet. I, I, uh, I got to ride in a gravel cycling race. Nice. Uh, just a couple, uh, like a month or two ago in Stillwater, Oklahoma, called the Mid South, and uh, and similar to what you're talking about there, the 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 director of the race, he owns a bike shop in Stillwater called District Bicycles or something like that, and he uh, he is at the finish line for the first person that crosses mm-hmm. the finish line and gives that person a hug and gives a hug to every single individual that crosses the finish line nice. until. Until it's, you know, moon is up middle of the night, giving a hug Excellent. to the last person to finish the hundred miles. And it's like, oh, that's, that's special. Yeah. That's I something that, I didn't yeah. realize until even uh, this weekend, my mom wanted to do a, a gravel century. And so we did that together and they sprayed champagne. Like it was just a community ride. It wasn't anything racy at all. And it was all women, which was kind of sweet, I think for mother's day, but um, yeah. they sprayed champagne at the end and my mom was jazzed. She thought it was the coolest thing. She's like, I've never been sprayed with champagne before. And like, truthfully, <laughs> me neither really, but I've won things and like, you know, you're like, oh, yay, clap, clap. We did that. But I, I would not like have appreciated it, but she thought it was the coolest thing that's ever happened to her. I'm like, they really don't celebrate because she did the Leadville bike race too. And mm-hmm. I think it's like, oh, you did it. Nice. But I don't know. I, I, those grassroots type of events where they're really just like making a point to celebrate people accomplishing a very hard thing rather than like, Oh, cross the finish line, like shuttle you like, you know, a herd of cattle into some other little gate or something. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think that's a really cool part of the sport that isn't spoken about enough, especially because the leaders do get, you know, recognized and stuff, but really it is everybody on on the same track but just a side note it is just cool coming into that realization with that sport uh lauren i like this question that you put on there just that 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 combo oh yeah i guess oh yeah okay you had mentioned like getting out of your cubicle and and everything and this reminds me of this question also but how on earth do you balance getting out of your cubicle if you have one and you know, spending your time on your research, which we kind of looked into, seems like a lot. And you've been dedicated to that for a long time with this very time intensive running hobby. Yeah. I mean, I just, I do my best. I I'm certainly, I'm not like a professional. Um, and so I, I'm not training at the level of someone that would, you know, a sponsored professional runner. So I just, I squeeze in where I can. Now, obviously there are some things that make it easier for me. Like I don't have any kids. Um, 
And my job now is actually structured in a way that um, because I'm, I'm a faculty member, you know, in the summer, I have a lot more for, like flexibility. I mean, I still have my research in the summer, but I don't have to teach classes. So I can kind of do things in the summer that are a little more um, like a longer duration. Like I can disappear for a week and it's not a big deal. Um, but yeah, during the week, it just means um, I, you know, I usually either run really early in the morning or really late at night. Um, and then I, I just, I do my long runs on the weekend, but I try to get in at least 50 miles a week. Sometimes I get in 70, sometimes I get in 30, you know, I just try to do what I can. Uh, if I've got a big event coming up, like right now, I have two really big events coming up. So I've been trying to run as much as I can, uh, whenever I have free time, uh, just to keep building up. And then I put races on my schedule, you know, like I put a 50 K on Saturday, you know, two weeks out. So I know I have to like, I can't slack off. I got to keep going. Cause I got that race coming up. Um, so races help motivate me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, I just don't have a lot of free time outside of <laughs> my job and my running and, well, and, and since, uh, since it sounds like what's fun for you in life is being out in nature anyways, yeah. it's not like, I mean, it is, it is, it is kind of my hobby. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it, it's like, you yeah, check two like, boxes at once right? exactly. with, uh, preparing for races and enjoying life. Have you ever you hit know? a point in, Oh, you go. No, 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 go ahead. Have you ever hit a point in your career and, and running as well, where like you had to take a step back and be like, mm. I don't know, one's causing maybe running's causing more stress in work and taking from running or vice versa or something. Have you had to find that balance or does it kind of just come naturally? I think, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily like, because it was, it was negatively disrupting anything, but um, I definitely have had a couple periods where I just needed to kind of like take a break from running for a little while. Um, and it's always been really good. Cause I want to come back to it. I kind of come back with like a, a new sense of excitement. Like, um, most of last year I, I was, I was pretty low on the running. Um, I didn't do a ton. I mean, I kind of kept my base a little bit. I'd run, you know, a five miler here, here or there every, every couple of days or something, and maybe do a long run once in a while. But, um, it wasn't until I got into these lotteries in December that I really started picking it back up. And it's been really nice because a lot of last year I did not, I did not really do any big races. So, um, but no, I've never been like, like, screw you running. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like you're ruining uh, my life. <laughs> um, but I, I, I also have had periods of time where like, um, like when I deployed to Antarctica for two months, you know, that that's a huge disruption. And so I, you know, like at South pole, they have a treadmill. So I just run on the treadmill or, um, if I have to do like, um, if I have Didn't some, big, like, yeah, I mean, if I have like some big, um, like last year I had a really big, um, science proposal, I had to write a big NSF proposal to get funding, to fund a student, you know, to fund a big project. And I probably spent two months working on that. And I like kind of didn't run <laughs> at all. And like, when I was working on my dissertation, like for like three months, I like didn't run a single step. Cause I was just like constantly working on that. So there've definitely been times when I haven't run for a couple of months at a go, but I always pick it back up. So yeah, I was looking at all these questions that you sent me and there's some good ones yeah. in here. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> Not even scratching. We want to honor your time. So if there's, if there's anything in there that, uh, that you're looking at, you're like, Ooh, let's, let's hit that. Cause you, you like that question. What, uh, what are you seeing? We also don't I have just, to hit all of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was just reading down through them. Um, you know, like how many loops did I expect to run beforehand? Like I said, I just went in thinking 60 hours, you know, it was just, yeah. got to do, got to do them all. Um, 
routines. Uh, you know, I tape my feet for certain distances, use some lube, nothing like too fancy, no, no weird, yeah. like, uh, superstitions or anything. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> lead up to Barkley that, that made me confident I could actually do it. Boy, I don't know. Uh, I don't know that there's anything that actually can really make you confident you can do it, but I, <laughs> I can, re I can recall a few really tough. I did like a back to back weekend hill, like 25 miles on Saturday, 25 miles on Sunday and each day with like 15,000 feet of gain or something. And like, oh once I did, did those two days, I was like, oh, man, I might have a shot at this. Um, <laughs> um, but even still, I was pretty humble about it or like I had some humility about it. I was like, it's, it's a long shot. Um, you, you had said that, uh, um, you, you plan from the get go. It's, it's, it's 60 hours yeah. and you run for 60 hours, but yeah. at, at what point, or what was the kind of the roller coaster throughout the race of oh, like, was there ever a moment of maybe this isn't a 60 hour event? And if that did happen, then at what point in the 60 hours, uh, cause it took you 59 hours mm -hmm. and some change. That's like at right, what point, yeah. at what point did you come back out of the the doubt <laughs> if that ever happened and you were like, yep. nah, I got this. Yeah. So there was a very specific moment. I don't think I talk about it in the documentary, but, uh, I talk about it in my race report. So, uh, fourth end of the fourth loop, uh, I was about three miles from camp and I, all I had to do was come down into camp. I had finished the climb uh -huh. and, uh, I sat down on the trail to take my shoes off because my feet were hurting so bad. That's when I had all the macerated feet and I looked at my feet and then I looked at how much time I had left and I started doing the math and it, and I just realized at that exact moment, I was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. Not with these feet. I mean, I have, to, I, I realized at that moment I'd have to do loop five basically at the same speed, if not faster that I just did loop four. And it just seemed so impossible to me. Wow. Um, and so I just kind of like limped into camp. And then that's when the, my friend Travis grabbed me and he's like, you still got time. And like, he, he sort of convinced me because he said, you know, you're in the daylight now we can patch up your feet. You're going in the better direction. Like all these things, like, trust me, you've got this. And so, wow. um, but even still I left on loop five. I was like, well, I'm just going to see how far I can get. And it wasn't <laughs> literally, it was in, not until I made it to the very last climb about a mile from camp when I looked down and I had like 40 minutes left. And I was like, I know it's like 20 minutes from this spot that I was like, okay, I'm going to finish. <laughs> so, so I didn't know I was going to finish until basically the very end. So it was pretty <laughs> stressful. That sounds mentally so hard. Like to be, have had already done that much. Yeah. Be questioning if you're going to finish in time your feet are messed up and then not till the very end being like, Oh, I'm actually going to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if, home if you, stretch. If you had looked at the watch at any point in the, the fifth loop and realized that it just wasn't doable. I feel, would you have still finished or would you, yeah. Would you have still just like finished the actual loop or kind of taken the, the shortest route back? Like, I think, I mean, had I not finished in the time limit, it would have been close enough that I would have just probably been like a mile or two out. I would have just finished in the loop and finished over 60 right. hours. Right. Um, but if, I mean, I had some sort of like injury or catastrophic failure, I would have figured out the quickest way to get back to camp, you yeah. know, just quitters yeah. road or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that term. Uh, uh, I think about like watching the documentary, uh, how, how much do you remember from especially the last loop and a little bit before that? Cause you, you look pretty yeah. 
spaced out and it was just muscle memory of one foot in front of the other. It it's weird because uh it's long enough now ago, like it's a decade now, uh that uh it almost seems like uh like when I see clips from the documentary or when I look at the the book, then there's this new book out. Um, it feels like I'm reading about somebody else or I'm watching a movie about somebody else. Uh, and I, I definitely have a ton of memories from it, but it is, it is a little bit almost like surreal now. Um, but there are definitely moments, very vivid moments. I remember from loop five. Like I remember when I passed Jared in the opposite direction, it was like this, I was totally in like on a different planet and mentally at that point, I was so out of it. And then all of a sudden Jared Campbell was standing in front of me and I was just like, Oh, I know you. <laughs> and, and it was just like, for a moment I had clarity and like, we, we exchanged a few words and then he was gone and it was just like, Whoa, yeah. that just happened. Um, so I, I very vividly remember that. Um, and I remember passing Brett too. Um, so yeah, it's just, it was, it was, uh, it was a, bl a blur. The fifth loop was, um, was definitely a, a weird mental place that I, it's, I've, I think I've only ever been in a couple of times at events. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely wild. You, you were wanting to ask me one more question before we hop into kind of some repeat questions. Yeah, this is not, I guess, as much Barkley related, but previously what we were talking about, um, you know, you have this whole career and usually yeah. that's, not usually I mean I feel like most people in academia like that's their passion and that's obviously like what they've decided to set their sights on for their career and and venture into that whole world but you also have this whole other portion of your life which yeah. most people would consider a passion as well in running and competing and training and it does take I think a lot of love to do both things well where does your passion lie or, or how did that, how does that work out? Oh, I just had this conversation with somebody. Uh, you know, I, I really think there are two different types of people or more than two, but I think there are those people, uh, that, you know, when, since they're like five years old, they're like, I want to be a veterinarian. Like that is what I want to do. It's my life passion. And then they go and they do it and that's their thing. Uh, and then I think there's people like me that, I know wander around. Uh, I, there's a lot of things I like, um, that I really like, but I don't necessarily know that I have that one thing. Like, uh, you know, I, I worked as an engineer for a while. I, I got my pilot's license and flew for a while. I, I run, I do. And now I work in, a, I worked in a lab and now I work in university and I love all these things. Um, but I don't think that I, I have that one thing that, uh, you know, is like my, my lifelong, like, passion and that's not a bad thing it just means i like a lot of different things so i kind of dabble um and and i find things that that bring me joy um and i just hold on to that as long as i can and then you know if i find something else i explore that for a while and so um yeah i don't know yeah no uh, that makes sense and and liking it i think is like downplaying it like liking it and enjoying it enough to do it well you know and and that could be more than two or yeah. three things yeah i do i do see what you're saying where some I mean, people I, yeah just set themselves on something but i think i don't know if it's the boredom thing but <laughs> no i think like rooted in all of the things that i do there probably is some sort of like bigger passion for just sort of exploring for exploration yeah. um because no matter what kind of adventure i go on it's always like i'm trying to just like 
go as far as I can into the woods or find that nook in the world, or I don't know, just like go to that remote place or just see what's out there. And so I think there is like something is some kind of like passion in there as far as just like exploring and trekking and, um, adventuring. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, no, <laughs> I see what you're saying. Like some, uh, overlying, yeah. like link that pulls everything together it's just not one particular activity but it's like a common theme between all of them yeah hmm. i think that's probably right is that uh is the exploration go to remote place what kind of drew you to antarctica or at least doing research in the room or was it the some level of passion around climate stuff that, that yeah well, it was a combination of, uh, I've always liked the sciences and I wanted to gravitate towards a field of science where I could do field work because field work gets me out, uh, into explore cool places. And so when I started grad school, I thought I wanted to do more just kind of pure geology because I wanted to do like geology field work. Um, but then I ended up connecting with one particular faculty member who was like, I do work on ice which is basically, it acts kind of like a rock. It deforms, it shears, it does all these cool things. And so I was like, hmm, that sounds cool. So I actually uh, got into working with him and then I got to deploy to do these projects in Antarctica. And so I think they were they were um, kind of part of the same motivation there. Um, but that's led me to have a greater fascination now for uh, sort of ice and climate, um, the, the nexus of those two disciplines. Yeah. I feel like it's really easy because of finances or needing to pay whatever bills or a myriad of other things uh, to not have as much time in your life to get to enjoy the stuff that you're actually passionate about and that actually fills your cup. And so I, I'm, I think you're a cool dude because you're you're doing exactly what you were, were made to do or what you you were passionate about. So that's. That's cool to see someone in their their wheelhouse. I I do think you made a point though. It's a, I think it's important to say that, um, you know, you can do these sorts of things and you can you can explore interesting places, um, without having to have uh, necessarily a, a, a huge paying job or, or you know grand resources. Because I mean I know I I certainly have privilege. I know that I'm aware of that. Um, but I still feel like. A lot of the adventures I do go on or things that I do, uh, I try to keep it pretty simple and modest. And, you know, I'll just I'll just take my gravel bike and go ride into Coconino National Forest for 12 hours and see what I can find, you know. Yeah. Um, so I try to I try to keep things um, a little bit more modest. I, I certainly have participated in events that were really pricey. Um, nothing like triathlon pricey, but <laughs> a few pricey things. Um, so yeah, it can get expensive. You know, some of these hobbies are not cheap. Um, so that's why I try to keep, try to keep things, um, just more about the destinations and, and the experiences as more so about, you know, consumable things and yeah. all that capitalistic stuff. <laughs> yeah. I sound like my yeah. students now. <laughs> that's the, that's <laughs> the word. <laughs> Uh, well, let's do this. Let's uh, let's hop into some repeats. We're actually going to call them loops tonight, just in, okay. in with the the Barkley Marathon. So, so typically, as you know, the track world that we're kind of camping out in, typically it's like repeats, some two hundred meter repeats. But this time, we're going to go some fast Barkley Marathon loops. Uh, if you have okay. one, I'll let you go first. But if you don't have one, I can go first. I do have one. Um, okay. Mine yeah. is simple, but 
favorite run or run spot in in the Flagstaff area? I know that one. So my favorite run spot in the Flagstaff area is Woody Mountain. It's uh it's kind of a place that no one goes and it's a nice climb, beautiful vista at the top, fire tower. It's beautiful. And there's never anyone in the parking lot. So it's just like every time I go, it's just me and the trails and I love it. Perfect. Amazing. Sweet. I'll check it out next time there. Uh, next loop. Strangest, most surprising, uh, most fun thing you've been given at a, at an aid station mid race. <laughs> um, I think the race would be the Vermont 100 because they're notorious <laughs> for having goofy aid stations. And <laughs> Do they have a Margaritaville one or something? That's, I was just going to say, the aid station <laughs> Margaritaville. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of the better ones. Um, and uh, I know I've been handed a shot of Fireball at a few aid stations, um, some whiskey. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I guess my answer would be, I ran this race in Virginia. It's very low key. It's called the Wild Oak Trail. Um, and, uh, at the end of a loop, I was given, um, a, a drink of homemade moonshine, <laughs> which is just oh, terrible. <laughs> so bad. Woke you so up. I, yeah. So that was probably the weirdest thing. Um, yeah. Amazing. Great answer. That is, I would never have guessed. <laughs> oh my gosh. Next loop. What you got? Oh man, I feel like there's some that could build off of that. Uh, I guess in line with this, uh, favorite event you've in, taken part in, and and like which ones you you make a point to come back to. Yeah, wow, that's really hard to answer that one because it it kind of depends on favorite in what respect. Um, I, mean, I guess I just culture wise. I mean, I think. Uh, as far as landscapes and views, the hard rock 100 is probably the prettiest. Um, the most, uh, amazing as far as like crowd interaction was probably this race I did in Greece called the Spartathlon. Like the, literally the whole country comes out and like cheers for you and like kids want your <laughs> autograph and stuff. It's wild. Um, it was, it was the coolest. It was like the Boston marathon times 10. It was insane. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, the culture, culturally, there's a few events that, uh, I've gone back to so many times just cause I feel like it's a family, obviously Barkley and, and, and the Barkley related events. Um, but I guess the one that I could mention is there is this event in New Jersey. Um, it's called three days at the fair and it's one of these timed events. You can run six hours, you can run 72 hours. And I love going back to that. Uh, I haven't been back in a couple of years now cause I'm so far away, but, uh, that's a great group of people. I, I really miss those guys. Okay, next loop. Uh, if you could pick one person in the running world, uh, past, present, or future, to join you on any distance of run, who would it be? Tell us about them if we don't know about them, and what do you what do you hope conversation to steer towards during it? Oh, anybody, man. It's funny. I just listened to your Alan Webb broadcast. That was pretty oh, good. You were sweet. Um, I think my uh, I've always told people sort of my running hero is this guy named Blake Wood. He's also a Barkley guy, um, but he's also a, a big hard rock guy. And um, I see him when I go up to hard rock and he's, he's just always such an inspirational guy. And uh, I always told myself, man, I wish I could, I could share some miles with Blake. It'd just be so cool to talk to him because he's a scientist too. And, and, you know, we have kind of similar interests. And, um, and then when I finally got into um, hard rock after nine years in the lottery, 
I, I ran with him probably for the first eight miles and it was awesome. So mm-hmm. I kind of already had that experience. I'm trying to think of other people <laughs> that I would really love to run with. I mean, there's obviously people like in like the track and field world that I'm like amazed by, you know, like who is the guy, the Moroccan guy, Hikam El Garouj or whatever. Uh-huh. Like that guy would have been amazing to run. I would never be able to keep up with him, but um, <laughs> No so conversation ma- on your end, but <laughs> you know, so many, so many cool runners. I just love, I just love watching people do amazing things. So I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people. Um, I think back in the nineties, you know, you, you had people like Ann Trayson in the ultra world and she would have been an interesting person to run with and Matt Carpenter and those guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of people, <laughs> I guess Blakewood is, is my default answer. Amazing. And you've lived it. Well done. I've yeah. loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. All right. Next one. Okay. We're going back to, to ultra nutrition. What's your go-to? Wow. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I've been playing around with a bunch of different things. Um, usually my go-to is, uh, sugary stuff for, for the, for like the first few hours. So gels and things like that. Um, and right now I'm on a, um, I've actually been using those Morton gels. They're really expensive, but they're good. I like those. Yeah, people no, are into no flavor, right? Some, yeah, some they're just like then, the ones I've been know, using are just like they're just like they're just kind of like a plain sugar flavor. But I like them because they're not they're actually a gel. They're not like sticky like normal gels. They're actually like gelatin, which is really good. Um, but then as far and then I use powders. Um, I I use this drink mix called Sword. I I use a little Tailwind here and there. You know that kind of stuff. Um, and then as the race progresses, I've got to move to more like substantial food. Uh, I can't, if it's more than a 50 K I'll be eating real food on the run. Um, like real, you know, wraps and, and, you know, like if at air Viper, they always have these like bean wraps and avocado wraps and rice things. And I just, I just eat whatever I can. I have a pretty solid stomach. <laughs> so I just like cram it in, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah. literally so. uh, one of the better combinations of flavors I've, experienced in my life and maybe it was just because i was for me really far into this race i think i was i was probably mile 28 or i don't know in my, my 50k and and i had a beef jerky peanut butter and jelly sandwich and a snickers bar in my mouth all at once and it was just it was <laughs> yes combo. snickers bars are great yeah um i i kind of have a through through hikers mentality on food so once i get through like that first phase of a long race, I just kind of turn on through hiker mode and I'm just like food, ice cream, sandwiches, you know, anything. It's just like anything with high calories. I just want to, you know, eat. So, <laughs> and I, I don't really have any restrictions. I'm, I'm mostly vegetarian, but I'll, you know, I'll eat meat if, if, if it's there, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next one. Um, we've got just a few more for you probably, but, uh, yeah, that's all uh, good. And, and this, maybe this is a little bit of a vulnerable question. You can decide how, where you want to go with it, but, uh, uh, do you feel like the, the Barkley marathon guy that the celebrity that then leads to you being invited on a podcast and how do you feel about that? Do you, do you like being that guy, even if not in a self-centered way, or are you kind of like, I don't, I don't really even like being the Barkley marathons guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it is a bit weird. Um, I guess is my answer. It's, when the, when the documentary first came out, um, for, for like a short period of time, it was kind of like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like people know me now at races. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I think 
it, it, it was weird because I trained for Barkley and didn't tell anyone. So no one knew I was going, none of my friends, none of my running friends. And then when I was there, I didn't know anybody. So I was just some rando guy. And it just happened to be that there was a film crew that there that year. Like if I would have just, I mean, if I would have finished without a film crew, people would have still probably known that I was a finisher. Like I'm just thinking about like the next year, my friend Travis finished and you know, you can look him up and say, Oh, Travis finished, but people probably aren't going to invite Travis Wildebor onto their podcast, you know? So, um, which is too bad. Cause they should, cause he's awesome. Um, Get us connected. It'd be fun to have him. He has done some up. crazy stuff, man. Um, but anyway, my point is that like, it, it was like for a little while, it was kind of like weird and, and in a cool way, like, Oh, that's kind of neat. Like, but, um, but then for like a couple years, uh, it was, it was a little bit like awkward. Like I was just like, Oh, I don't know what to say. You know, I'm, I'm just like a normal guy. Um, and, uh, but then people started telling me, like, I was kind of like, uh, uh, I'm trying to think how, how they would phrase it. They would say, um, they, they liked the fact that, uh, I finished and that, you know, maybe I'm not, I'm not this elite runner. And so it kind of like get, gave a bunch of people inspiration and hope that like, you know, you can do these things, uh, with all, you know, with hard work and all this stuff, but it's just like, you know, there, like you, you talk to Jared Campbell, it's like, well, Jared Campbell's an elite runner. Like it's great. He finished Barkley, but it's also like, not that surprising. Cause he's Jared Campbell. Um, but then, you know, like I kind of had no business on paper finishing Barkley. So it was like a lot of people told me that I was like, yeah, it was really inspiring. So that felt really good knowing that, like, I, I inspired people to get out and like try something new maybe. So that was really cool. And now it's been so long that um, most people kind of don't know about the documentary. It's kind of like, I don't even know if it's still even available anymore. So it's been 10 years. It's basically faded now. A few people do still recognize me here and there, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm elongating this, this loop, but uh, it's okay. Yeah. I don't, what's been cool about this whole experience of doing this podcast is, you know, I would guess that even as you say, oh, it's no, it's no surprise that Jared Campbell would finish it because he's Jared Campbell, but I feel like even I would guess in your time of knowing him and whatnot, you, he still is just a normal guy. And the thing he that is, he's good yeah. at is, is running long distances really fast. And, uh, it's been really cool. I mean, I'm sitting next to someone right now that for, I don't know if you know this yet, but like the last six <laughs> years, I've known who Lauren Gregory is. <laughs> we, we can easily, you know, watch a, a documentary and go and, and romanticize and put on a pedestal a normal dude that that uh that just happened to grit his way through a long race and romanticize and put on a pedestal this this fast girl that's like what I, what, people people are putting on a pedestal what I, this, yeah she's just right. weird <laughs> from someone not in the podcast world yeah. i love podcasts because i really just want to know what that person is about outside of running and i think watching documentaries and like what you said, romanticizing or like putting them up on that pedestal is awesome. But then really all we want to know is like, yeah, what they do in a day or what they like to do or what their yeah. dog is. Yeah. Or what they drive or something stupid. I don't know. I love that part of the sport is that it's not, uh, you know, the NBA or the NFL or something. And you can really connect with because like I said a second ago, we're all just kind of weird and we just kind of want to know that yeah. <laughs> it feels like there's a connection. Yeah. And, you know, most runners, I think, are super grounded and 
really just like to run and not be recognized, but <laughs> also yeah. like to do things well. But yeah, that is, it's been really cool getting to talk to you and, and just hear how yeah. grounded well, and thanks. humble Likewise. you are. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Thanks again for your time. What a, what a blast hanging with you. Thanks for being a good dude. All right, guys. Thanks so much.